President Trump needs to not just talk about Joe Biden. President Trump needs to talk about the failure of Democrat policy. So no matter who he faces in the general election, if it is somebody else, he's already started the process of hanging this stuff on the Democrats. Sanctuary cities everywhere, these aren't Republicans. These are Democrat-run cities. This is what President Trump needs to be talking about. Democrat policies, Joe Biden is the puppet. The same puppeteers will be pulling the strings for whoever that he's running against come November. All right, folks, it is Friday. Grant Stinchfield is here. He's bringing the fire. We're going to talk about all things Mitch McConnell, the RNC's new leadership, his meeting with President Trump, and Super Tuesday is next week. Grant Stinchfield is the host of the Grant Stinchfield podcast. He's on Real America's Voice. All things Grant Stinchfield can be found at grantstinchfield.com. Before we start, I want to tell you about two of our great sponsors. If you're a longtime watcher of the show, you know about my friend, Leo Grillo. He rescued a Doberman years ago, named the dog Delta. Delta stands for dedication and everlasting love to animals. That was the beginning of what became Delta Rescue. DeltaRescue.org is where you can see the videos of the great work that they're doing. They provide nutrition, veterinarian care to allow animals to roam free in their sanctuary, not a shelter. It's a no-kill, the largest no-kill sanctuary in the world. These animals can roam free. They have a home for life because of the work that Leo Grillo has done, and he needs our help. It's through our contributions, five, 10, a hundred, a thousand dollars, whatever you can spare to make sure that Delta Rescue can provide these services. But more than that, if you go on the website, deltarescue.org, you can see the videos, but you can also see the estate planning kit. And if you're an animal lover like I am, you've rescued a dog, a cat, whatever, you can go on this estate planning kit and make it part of your enduring mission so that Leo's dream continues for life and that these animals will always have a place to get the care that they need. Please go to deltarescue.org, check out that estate planning kit and see if you can help. Hey folks, during a time of crisis, are you gonna be prepared? You know, when I was White House press secretary, we spent a lot of time going through contingency operations and making sure that we were ready in an emergency. The question is, will you be? You will be though, if you go to fourpatriots.com slash Spicer. Get the Patriot Power Generator 2000X to make sure that when the power goes out, whether it's an hour or a day or even a month, you will be ready. You will be able to plug in your TV, your computer, your phones, your medical devices, and yes, even your refrigerator. The beautiful thing about the Patriot Power Generator 2000X is it runs off a solar panel and that solar panel comes with it for free. So during a time of crisis, you will have the power that you need. The Patriot Power Generator is portable too. You can bring it in your house. And unlike a gas-powered one, you have to worry about filling and refilling. The Patriot Power Generator has no fumes and no noise. You can keep it in your kitchen if you wanted to power your refrigerator. You can put it in your car if a friend or a neighbor needs help. But during a crisis, during an emergency, this is what you're going to need. Get ahead of the curve. Be ready for yourself and your family by getting the Patriot Powder Generator 2000X. Go to fourpatriots.com slash Spicer now. Grant, I am so excited to see you, although I was concerned, very concerned, it's probably more apropos that, that you were still gonna be in mourning. I know how saddened you were to learn uh, that Mitch McConnell was stepping down as leader, and I thought, I don't know this is gonna work out. The team and I were like, hey, maybe Grant needs a few days. Yeah let's pump the brakes and send him like some flowers or something. How are you taking this? No, I, think, I think I needed a few days, but now is good. Party is tonight. We're having a giant celebration. <laughs> I'm throwing a goodbye Mitch party. And so uh, 
you know, the opposite, not mourning, celebrating. I was wondering where you were going with this. I know, I know. And I, I just, I, I think for people who don't necessarily watch the, who maybe are listening to the audio version, like that, that's a joke. Like, right. I don't think Grant Sinfield was leading the parade. Yes. Um, do you think it's, it was funny, John Thune, the number two, the whip, endorsed Trump, like right after um, South Carolina. And, and they kept saying, well, now McConnell's the holdout. Do you think that this was just him saying, I don't want to deal with Trump. I don't want to do it anymore. And I'm, I'm out. Yeah, you know, I, I have no insight, direct insight into what was going on between the McConnell team and the Trump team. But I had been reading some articles, even some obscure articles about Mitch McConnell and the Trump team were in negotiations on how to get Mitch McConnell to come out and endorse President Trump. But, you know, what I've been saying is, you don't need it. Even if he is the leader of the United States right. Senate, President Trump doesn't need Mitch McConnell's. I, I don't know why. I, I'm with you. Like, I'm like, why is the president asking for endorsements from people? Like, I got to be honest with you. South Dakota, John Thune State is going for Donald Trump. I like, like, it's the opposite. Thune needs Trump. Trump doesn't need Thune. And I was like, why do you care? I mean, I get it. They want to yeah. make it like 100% or something. But I was like, why do you care? You don't like Mitch McConnell. You why know, do you want his endorsement? I'm not sure... President Trump is actively engaged in all of that. I think he's probably got a team that's working on it. Part of okay. the campaign is collect as many endorsements as you can. And then it gets caught up with the bigger names you get. Uh, ultimately, I think President Trump probably, if somebody's on the fence, maybe it's a phone call from him. You know, if you want to endorse somebody, it's always nice to be asked by the guy you're going to endorse. Hey, would you endorse me? Um, but President Trump's at another level, really. I mean, if anything, they should be asking President Trump for his pat on the back. So can I just, here's the thing. Obviously, among the MAGA world, there's not a lot of love lost with Mitch McConnell, okay? There's no love lost. Okay, <laughs> thank you for being a little <laughs> bit more explicit. But here's the deal. As a guy that was in the White House, the one thing you have to say about, like, I was reading this, one of the stories when he announced it, right? And we would not have, we would not have Justice Gorsuch without Mitch McConnell, okay? Yeah. We would probably not have the other justices if it wasn't for Mitch McConnell, okay? Mm -hmm. That's, that's, so you cannot like him. But there is something about, like, he, he, remember, uh, Obama wanted to get that seat, Garland. He wanted Garland in that seat that's from when Scalia had passed. And it was McConnell that said, no way, I'm actually going to hold this open. And I, I, I guess my point is, as much as he might have been a thorn in Trump's side, isn't there some degree of like, he actually did get a lot done for the Trump agenda right. and for- Look, Sean, I mean, you know what? I tell my 14-year-old son, you don't get rewards for expected behavior. I mean, you or I could have been the leader of the Senate Republicans and we would have been able to do exactly what Mitch McConnell did in those situations. This wasn't like- some great strategizing maneuvering. We're giving him a pat on the back and saying, way to go, Mitch, because we were never confident he would do it because right. he was so squishy and wishy-washy and so beholden to the establishment and the deep state that we didn't know we'd have the backbone to actually do what is right. But if you or I were in there, it would have been a no-brainer. And yet we're giving him kudos as if he deserves a trophy for, for getting Justice Gorsuch seated. I, I, I disagree. I think it's expected behavior and anybody that was good would have done the same thing. That's, and that's a fair point. I mean, I think that part of this is you're, you're basically trying to give someone compliments for something that that, that was their job. It's like, right. congratulations for doing what you were supposed to. Um, the, 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 at least 
early narrative, there's, they call it three Johns, which, you know, only in Washington, is that something that you want to say? Thune from South Dakota, who's the current whip, Cornyn down there in Texas, where you are, who was the former whip, and then Barrasso, John Barrasso of Wyoming, Mm -hmm. who is uh, the House Republican chair. Now, do you care who replaces him? Uh, or do you have yeah, a Yeah, none of those guys would be my choice. Right. I mean, none of them. So you want to talk about no love loss with the MAGA crowd. Th- those guys you named, really, they're, they're establishment guys. John Cornyn, I'm in Texas. I've been in Texas 20 plus years. John Cornyn is such a disappointment. You have the backing of strong conservatives in this state. Whatever the left wants to tell you about Texas going purple, it's not. This is a deep red state. And the people that are involved in Republican politics are deep red conservatives. You have the backing. You could be a strong Ted Cruz style conservative. And yet John Cornyn isn't because he thinks he could buy himself power in Washington, which quite frankly, he did. He bought himself personal power in Washington by by cozying up to the establishment crowd of Mitch McConnell. Thune is the same way. And so uh, none of these guys would be my choice. I'd love to see Mike Lee or Ted Cruz um, or, you know, even... I don't know, Senator Cotton. It's one of these guys. Well, Cotton says that Cotton says he's considering a, a, a run. Um, and the thing that's interesting is they all play this game where you know one of the other one moves up, if you will, and then maybe Cotton. I, which is, I, I'm like, that's great. The real power is at the top. I'm with you. Why don't we get a? You know, I mean, Ron Johnson has said that he'd be. You know, he great. He, I, mean, great. I can't believe I didn't even name him. He's he's probably my favorite of everybody. I just wonder. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they end up because. I always, I mean, I've, I've always said this about, and I say this jokingly, obviously, but when people are thinking about being vice president or being considered, I said, I hope you've watched the Mike Pence movie, right? This is how it ended. <laughs> right. And, and so if you're, if you want to be the Senate leader post McConnell and you saw how Trump and McConnell interacted, you better be ready. I mean, to your point, if you're, if you're not happy with the MAGA crowd and the MAGA agenda, I don't know that you should put your name forward because this is what you're going to get. And this is what, to your point, this is what you're just going to be expected of you. Yeah. And especially now that President Trump has all but locked up the nomination. Yeah. So if somehow some other person would have won this, you maybe could have made an argument, okay, Republicans turned their backs on President Trump, but that's not what happened. He's winning now 60, 70, 80% of the vote in all these primaries this is a make America great again, conservative Republican Party. That's who who will soon control this Republican Party. I say we, we've been, it's been taking us a long time to wrestle control from the Rona McDaniel crowd. So now we got her stepping down. We got Mitch McConnell stepping down. This is all moving in the right direction to set this up, to put the Republican Party back in the hands of the people that really work for the Republican Party. And, and that is the grassroots activists that call themselves America first conservatives. You mentioned Ronna McDaniel. She's stepping down March 8th. The, the only person that's put their name in the hat is Trump's pick, Michael Watley, the current chairman of the North Carolina State Party. And then Laura Trump is the only person so far that is going to be, it see, I mean, there's obviously time, but she, it looks like this is a fait complete. So if you do that and then somebody steps in, let's say that it is a Ron Johnson or somebody else or Trump, because Trump's going to endorse. There's no way that, that uh, he's not going to get involved in the Senate thing. It's too important. But the, the thing that's interesting to me is at some point, 
does Trump own it? Right. So he's been complaining about it. And I get it. Like they, they have a lot of these folks have not adhered to an America first MAGA strategy and, and principles, et cetera. At some point, though, if he gets his people at the RNC, if he gets somebody that he wants as Senate leader on the Republican side, is it, is it then does he own it? What do you mean? Does he own it? I mean, does it, he, it, I mean, if you get all your people in right now, he can complain and say Mitch McConnell's not doing his job, and this is what the Senate should do because it's not his guy, right? Right. So he gets to, but at some point, if you get to install your people, so in the case of the RNC, he pushed for Rana to to go away, yes. and he came out and said, "I want Michael Watley. I want my daughter-in-law Laura Trump. I want Chris Lasavita to be the CEO." Yeah. He's getting it. Yes. So at some point, um, what I'm asking you is, at some point, if you get everything that you want. Do you then own it? Yes. You, is it, right? He can't turn around and say the RNC didn't do its job when it's no. all of his people. He owns it. And he's right. happy to own it. Because do you remember that line, President Trump, is my favorite line that he ever gave. You're going to get so tired of winning. You're going to be begging me, Mr. President, no more winning. You remember that, Sean? I do. I do. the line ever. He is so confident that if he has his people around him, he will be winning. He can own it all he wants. If he has his people that is going to be in charge of the United States Senate, the leader of the Senate, his people in charge of the Republican Party, he's never had this before. So I think he's pretty confident he'll be able to start winning again. And he knows there's consequences come. If you're if the team that you put together does not perform, there's going to be consequences for that. I have no doubt the team he puts together is going to perform and operate at a level Washington has never seen before. He's not going to do the same thing when he came in before and have all of these uh, different factions fighting for power in the White House. You were there when some of this stuff was going on. Uh, yeah. Sean, it's, that's not going to happen again with him. I know, and I've talked to the people that are already talking about where his team is going to be and who's going to be on the team. And he has coalesced a group of, of men and women that he really trusts to put this team together. They're going to go in rolling in high speed from day one. And it's, and it's not going to be the infighting and power juggling like it was before. Yeah. I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the thing is we, we, it was a hodgepodge and, and president Trump basically during the campaign did not want to talk about transitions and all that. Cause he was like, until we win it, I'm not wasting any time. Our focus hundred percent has to be to win it. I get that. The downside was we had 75 days to build a plane in midair. This time, what America First Policy Institute, we'll, we'll break this down further in the next couple of weeks, but what all these groups are doing, Heritage, et cetera, are making sure that when he starts off on day one of a second term, he has you know, plans and policies and people ready to, to go and to execute. And that is going to make such a difference because he's been there, done that. He knows who works hard and who doesn't. He knows his set of priorities because he got sold a bill of goods by a lot of folks last time. And so I think this is going to be a very, very different second term or start to a second term than there I, was start I, of the first term. I promise you, Sean, that even when it comes to executive orders, he will have a stack of executive orders that will be pre-written yeah. before he even gets into the White House. I agree. Uh, that literally just has to be printed out on White House letterhead once he gets there. This is going to be a well-planned transition. And let's face it, he's been there before. He's been successful before. He knows the ins and outs now. It's not a learning curve. He knows who to trust. He knows who, and maybe more importantly, he knows who not to trust. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait till it happens. I really can't. Just, I, I think that point that you just there. made, it can't be underscored. He also, he did that, he also knows who not to trust because there are so many people who went into the administration and didn't realize they were serving him and they kept thinking they were serving themselves. And it, it was like, 
pushing a rock up a hill consistently being like, you guys realize it's not your agenda. It's his. You're, you're appointed to implement it, not the other way around. That's right. That's right. And uh, I don't think we're going to see that happen again. So I'm, I'm excited about the so future. So if I, Go ahead. I, I want I want to just, but going back to McConnell for one last thing, there was something that he said on the day, whatever it was, Wednesday. Um, he said, I'm no longer the young man sitting in the back hoping colleagues would remember my name. It's time for the next generation of leadership. And I thought to myself, okay, well, <laughs> I get it. It's the Senate. That means that you could, like, the next generation of leadership is like 75. Right, was born in 1920. Exactly. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. but it's, he didn't do himself any favor. Well, he didn't do his colleagues any favors. And that would argue to me that a Josh Hawley, or, uh, you know, you mentioned Mike Lee, uh, uh, J.D. Vance, like the younger people, the Ted Cruz, maybe they're the, like that. That was interesting that he said that. I don't know that he intended it the way I'm reading it, but I'm like, well, John Thune and John Barrasso and John Cornyn aren't exactly spring chickens. They aren't the next generation of leadership. Right. Uh, no. And and I think what we need and, and really need is the next generation. And all the people we mentioned would be great in leadership. You know, you look at a guy like Mike Lee, he, he's not a firebrand, right? So he's not going to take things away from President Trump, just as we say, we don't want his vice president taking away the spotlight from President Trump. Um, and, and, but he's a super smart, well-schooled guy. And he may be able to coalesce uh, the, the, the rest of the Republicans around him. But, you know, if we go back to this John Thune and John Cornyn ideas, it, it's, is that even a change from Mitch McConnell? I'm not sure it is. No, it's not. I mean, it's they are they have been his right hands for years, and I get it, but they're not expressing it either. They're not coming out and saying, "Listen, I've had to, to work with McConnell, but given my own authority, I would do X." And that's I, not a strong sign. It'll be really interesting. The thing that I find fascinating is that if they divide the establishment vote, then there is an easy chance that a Ron Johnson or a Mike Lee or a JD or whatever could easily come right up the middle because. I think you're going to find hometown alliances, right? So, for example, Cynthia Loomis is from Wyoming. She's the other senator. She's already endorsed John Barrasso, and that's natural. That's how it, you know, how they, except for Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell, most home state senators generally get along and take care of each other. Right. That being said, I think that there is a there's a great strategic play for a, a, a one of the more Trump supportive senators to run right up the middle. You know, wouldn't it be nice? If we had one of these older senators say, you know what, I know I'm next in line or second in line or whatever it might be, but for the good of this nation, for the good of the body of the Senate to infuse some change, we all are going to step aside and we're going to hand the reins as, as Mitch said, as Marvel mouth said to the next generation of leaders and step aside. I use this example there's a Senate race going on in California. The Republicans never going to win, but Steve Garvey is right is the front runner for Republicans. He's in second place right now. There's a guy named Eric Early, who's a fabulous MAGA candidate. He's got the real credentials to win, but he's at 4%. I said, if Eric Early really cared about California, you'd say, I'm going to step down and endorse Steve Garvey, who's a horrible candidate, by the way. He's, he's, he's worse than Herschel Walker. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Brent, don't hold back. I, I When you hold back, I can't tell what you I really know. mean and think. But he needs the 4% in order to get in second right. place. California has a jungle primary, so it's not guaranteed Republican or Democrat. You could have two Democrats in the in the general election. So he needs the 4%. If you really thought about the good of the country, the good of the body of the Senate, 
why would you say, you know what, we're, we're stepping back. If you need us, call us, tap us on the shoulder. We've got a breadth of knowledge to help you, but we want the Ted Cruz's, the Mike Lee's, the, the Tom Cotton's, the Josh Hawley's of the world to start leading us in, in the next, in the next decade. And you fun. know who did that? You know who did that? Who? The Democrats. Think about it. Nancy Pelosi said it's time for the next generation. And then Steny Hoyer, who had been waiting since he was like 12 to take over, realized it's she she I mean, she gave basically the Mitch McConnell thing. It's time for a new generation. Well, Steny Hoyer isn't exactly he's not he's not he's like two generations behind. And so then and and frankly, Jim Clyburn, the whip at the time and then the assistant leader, he now says he's going. They were able to put a new breed of leadership in there, a new generation, because they all realize, let's step aside and let's let the next guys go up. I agree with you. That would have been the smart move. I just don't think that they're willing to give up power. No. Uh, and that's the problem, especially in the Senate. They've been waiting too long and they're, Ooh, here we go. I get the bigger office. I get, you know, a bigger car and more people to tell me that, you know, to, to guide me. And I, I'm with you, but I just, I don't see any scenario where that happens. The problem with these establishments, I call them a ruling class of career politicians. It is self-interest over national interest every day. And the American people are fed up. They would be heroes if they said something like we just recommended, hey, we're stepping aside so yeah. the younger generation can, can take over. Heroes, we'd forgive all of their crazy nonsense if they did something like yeah. that. But you and I know that's wishful thinking and you know, unicorns don't really poop skills, do they? <laughs> well, I know right after the South Carolina primary, I saw on your Instagram, you were down at Mar-a-Lago. Did you have a chance to chat with the president? Yeah, real briefly. Um, and, and I would just like to say this. So he came back from his South Carolina speech. I was still eating dinner at Mar-a-Lago, came in, standing ovation. And I got to chat one-on-one -on -one with him briefly. And this guy, Sean, with everything he has going on, is so upbeat. He is so inspiring to see his energy at 10 o'clock. Now, mind you, he gave a speech at CPAC. He, I think he might've even been in Tennessee. And then he goes to South Carolina as well this day, comes back to Mar-a-Lago, meets with, with people there, then sits down at his table. And you know, you've been, he plays DJ. He has an iPad and he runs the music there and he stayed there with everybody and he took pictures. And this guy is not even phased by this war that they are waging on him. He is strong as a stone pillar. And I'll tell you, the big smile on his face, Democrats, don't let it fool you because he is stone cold when it comes to taking on the left. And I saw it that night and I left inspired because of it. If you're looking to secure your financial future, there's no better place than talking to my friends at Bishop Gold Group. If you go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, for those of you who don't know how to spell it correctly, uh, you can find out what Bishop Gold Group can do to help you with a old IRA, uh, a 401k, or just to start your journey with precious metals and make an additional investment. I've done it. I called them. I had a conversation with them. If you want to call because you don't want to go online, dial 844 9841616 tell them that Sean sent you you get a free promotional gift with that call or going online bishopgoldgroup.com/sean right this is where you can begin your journey and, and and expand your investment portfolio to include precious metals like i said i did it you get hit up all the time. I know it. I see the commercials for this group or that group, but the folks at Bishop Gold Group are the people that I trust. The people that when i invested in precious metals, I called them. I had a discussion about what was best for me that met, met my needs. You can do the same. Go to bishopgoldgroup.com 
slash Sean and begin your journey like I did with precious metals as part of your investment portfolio. When people talk about Biden's age, I've said, don't, it's not an age issue because I've seen 50 something year olds that are clueless and haven't taken care of themselves and look horrible. I've seen 90 year olds that look sharp as a tack. Because when you look at Trump, you realize this is a guy, to your point, like, dude, the guy's up first thing in the morning. He's up late at night. He doesn't stop. It's not an energy issue with him. Biden may, may be 81 years old, but that's that's not, I mean, Trump's 77. It's not to me. I don't want to keep start focusing on a number because you've seen Biden now. He did that in that ridiculous Seth Meyers interview. He's like, oh, my, my opponent's basically the same age. And he's trying to use the number to obfuscate from the fact that he's just, mentally and physically not there. That's yeah. different than a number. Yeah, uh, it totally is. And, and so age isn't the issue. I've always said age isn't the issue. It's energy, mental, mental, both mental stamina, mental acuity. And President Trump has it all. He it does not remind me of an older guy by any means. No. I mean, he's out on the golf course. He's beating most people my age. I just turned 55. Certainly, kicking my butt if I was to ever play against him on the golf course. And that's not something we need to worry about with President Trump. Certainly it is with Joe Biden. I mean, his mental decline, his physical decline, he can't even really get a breath in without struggling, much less finishing a sentence. This is why I say Joe Biden's the greatest national security risk we ever face. So I don't know if it's going to be President Trump ultimately uh, that's running against Joe Biden. I, I mean, I don't think Joe Biden may be the ultimate guy that's running against President Trump. It may be somebody else, which is why I'm saying this, Sean, and this was on my podcast today. I talked about this. President Trump needs to not just talk about Joe Biden. President Trump needs to talk about the failure of Democrat policies. Yeah. And this is all Democrats. Smart That's all of this stuff. Start hanging it on Democrats. So no matter who he faces in the general election, if it is somebody else, He's already started the process of hanging this stuff on the Democrats. You know, I'm glad you said that. I think that's actually a brilliant strategy. And, and this is not where I wanted to go because I have some, I have a couple of things that I want to really get your opinion on. But you know what I was thinking um, about this this week? And this goes right to your point. When the IVF ruling came down, right? And it's and just so we're clear, Mike uh, Davis was on the show at the beginning of the week. And, and I said to him, it's an Alabama ruling, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, does it affect any other state? No. Okay, but every single Republican from like little Timmy at Thomas Jefferson Middle School all the way up to Senate Majority Leader, since we're talking about that, have had to answer for it, right? Mm -hmm. What's your position on this? Because every Republican now has to answer for that ruling. Three people have been killed or maimed or hurt by illegals coming into this country in the past week, I mean, we saw the, the report of the D.C. people. The, there's one in Louisiana, that young woman in Georgia. And yet no one is saying to Democrats, uh, "What your policies made this happen. We get screwed on all of these things. They never do. And to your point, message-wise, we should be saying that's theirs. They own that. There's a reason Republicans are owning everything that happens from a court in Alabama, a state court but yet they own nothing right. when it comes right. to this. This is ridiculous. And that gets back to your point. It's not just Biden. These are Democrat policies. They are. Every Democrat, every sanctuary city, 
Look at look at where, uh, you know, if it's Michelle Obama, she's from Illinois, million sanctuary cities in, in, in Illinois. You look at Gretchen Whitner, Michigan, you got sanctuary cities there. You got, you got sanctuary cities all across this country, including here in Texas and including Athens, Georgia, where that poor young college student was killed. That nursing student was killed. Sanctuary cities everywhere. These aren't Republican-run cities. These are Democrat-run cities. And uh, this is what President Trump needs to be talking about. Democrat policies, Joe Biden is the puppet. The same puppeteers will be pulling the strings for whoever that he's running against come November. Okay. So we already talked about McConnell, but this is now that you've got me wound up on this. This is what's infuriating me about the House Republicans, right? They, the one thing about McCarthy, and, and again, we had some flaws and I'm not, but like he would be having those guys standing on the House stairs. He'd be doing another border trip. I'm like, we, we are sitting around. We have the greatest gift politically because it's a danger what's happening to this country. And I keep Beth Van Dyne constantly reminds me that it's not a like this issue is it's it's a sad issue. It's a horrible issue. But politically, we've been given it this opportunity to talk about the dangers of open borders because of Democrats Mm -hmm. and the dangers of fentanyl, the dangers of national security by letting terrorists and the dangers that have occurred by trafficking women and children. And yet we these guys in the House, I'm like, what are you doing? You, I haven't seen one major event, one tr- big trip, and I get everything. But at some point, the focus is not where it needs to be. The message is horrible. They're not doing what it takes to capitalize on this issue and to focus the American people on the dangers of the Democrats' policies. Yeah, every single incident that happens can be turned back to the Democrats. And it really can. And you know, Sean, it all leads back to the border, okay? When you want to talk about crime in America and the explosion that's happening— you can trace that back to the border. The drug crisis, fentanyl, certainly you can trace that back to the border. When you talk about healthcare issues in this country, try going to a county hospital today and try to get into an emergency room quickly if you're an American citizen in that. It's overrun with illegal aliens at county hospitals in big cities across America. Our healthcare system is being destroyed because of that. Our big cities are being destroyed. Quality of life issues are, are being destroyed. You even can go to, to Georgia where this student was killed. I could even relate back to gun issues where you should be allowed, if you're a lawful gun owner and, and a non-prohibited p- possessor, to carry a gun on a college campus. This woman could have protected herself if she had a firearm, at the very least, pepper spray. But Democrat policies, you can't protect But, but are we? But, but this is my point, Grant. We're giving, like, I look at the guys on Capitol Hill. Mike Johnson, it, like, he, I get he's standing strong um, so far. But, like, what? where's the where's the, the PR piece of this, the messaging piece? Because we're not, I, I cannot get over, like, I, I will talk to, to rank and file members and they're like, yep, we're all on board. I'm like, then do something. The American people, I bought into all of this IVF stuff because uh, somehow it's Republicans' fault, and yet there's no pressure on their end on the border because we're not branding it, we're not messaging it, we're not out there, we're not selling it. And I don't understand why not. Does Johnson need more support and help and a team? But what the heck is going on? These guys have an opportunity to explain in very, very clear differences, the distinct policies that Donald Trump did and the distinct policies that Joe Biden has that have allowed this to happen, the dangers it poses to this country, and nothing. They don't even, I mean, I don't know, maybe a tweet here and there, Chip Roy is fighting hard, but that's it. Why is this to me should be a a no-brainer and I see nothing? Well, can I ask you a very simple question? Sure. 
when was the last time you actually saw something from congressional Republicans on a widespread spread basis that was well coordinated? I thought the well border visits out, were good. I thought the border visits. Border visits were good, but on a whole, congressional Republicans have been horrible at messaging. Even James Comer's the worst presentations ever when he gets in front of the media and he drones on for 45 minutes with homemade charts. But it's so bad. You need to simplify it. Look what we do on, on our programs every day. We condense these issues into one or two minutes and you hammer it home and the American people can ingest it. They don't know how to do this and they're not no. hiring the right people in order to help them do it. I had Morgan Ortegas on the show the other day and we were talking about this and she goes, boom, 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 boom. And I was like, that's it. That's it. There's yeah. the elevator pitch. Don't. Yes. But these guys like overcome. I just, it, it literally infuriates me because it's so, it's a gift to them right now to, to contrast our policies in a way that we've never been able to do it before. It's not theoretical. It's not hypothetical. It's literally, this is what it was like for four years. This yeah. is what it's like now. Pick. And I, the I will obvious say there choice. are some though, if you, if you look at Matt Gates and Andy Biggs and Eli Crane and, and, uh, and, and others out there, that are trying to get the message out. The problem is many people don't see them because the mainstream media won't interview those people. Yeah, well, all right. Um, I wanna pivot though, because next week, next Tuesday is Super Tuesday. It's, I mean, right? If I'm looking at my calendar it right is. here. Yeah, yeah so we got, up. we got this this weekend, tomorrow the Idaho caucus, which I'm sure you're excited about. Oh, the yes, Michigan convention, uh, which doesn't, okay, which is when they were, then DC, North Dakota is on Monday. And then we go, we go, this is it, Super Tuesday, 15 states, one territory, 874. Let's just play this slowly. That night, Super Tuesday night, after a big whooping, does Nikki Haley drop out Tuesday night? I, I mean, Sean, she has to. I, I don't understand how she hasn't dropped out yet, other than the fact that, She's trying to make life difficult for President Trump. I don't know whether she's just a scorned woman, like a dog with a bone that will not give up on this. When, when, when you're beat down and out, it's time to pack it in. She will not do it. I, I get asked, you know what? I don't know about you. I, I literally, that may be, that's definitely in the top three of questions I get asked from people like, hey, I know you're into politics. And I mean, I've done races. My first race was 1994, my first paid race. I've been doing this 30 years. I cannot, for the life of me, tell you why she's still in this race. I mean, there's no like, oh, if this happens, the media doesn't understand. She can be the second person. There's no, there's no ribbon. There's no trophy. You don't get anything for being the last person if something were to happen to Trump, which it yeah. won't. That's not how it works. So I just, I literally can't wrap my head around. And she's frankly, from a political future standpoint, because some people will, well, 2028, 2023, no. There's no yeah. 2028. There's no 2032. She has burned every bridge. What the heck? I mean, I, and CNN would have given you your contract. I mean, if that's what you're really going for, they probably would have given you that three weeks ago. I don't, for the life of me, understand what she's trying to do, unless it really is like a no labels play, which is, hey, guys, I know how to do this. I can raise money. Put me on the ticket. If it's a no labels play, that's a big problem for President Trump. Yeah. She, she will completely ruin any political stock she has. Maybe she doesn't care about that. If her only goal is a vendetta against President Trump, for what reason? I don't know why he gave her a good position. She did a fairly good job when she was at the United Nations. I actually liked her back then. Now, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm at the same point I am with Ron DeSantis. I still want to say he's a great governor, but I'm so disappointed in him. I'm so disappointed in Nikki Haley. These are two people that I 
had somewhat respect for after all of this. If she doesn't know the labels, she's not just sinking President Trump. She will sink this nation. Yeah. This nation will for, will never be the same. And you don't have to blame Joe Biden at that point. You'll you'll blame Nikki Haley. No, you're right, though. I, I, I think once you go no labels, that's it. I mean, you're basically saying I want to live in a gated community for the rest of my life yeah. because you will guarantee a Joe Biden. I mean, she will. That's a fact. Yes. And I know people will be like, oh, no. When, when you look at the closeness, Arizona, 10,000 votes, Wisconsin, 20,000 votes, Michigan in 2016, 10,700 votes. If you don't think that she's going to suck off that many people who would have voted for Trump or maybe sat it out and but she yeah. will, she is the ultimate spoiler. And I think if she went down that path, it's, it is, it is frankly, there, it is still possible, obviously, that Trump could win. But I, I would argue you, that if that were to happen, that's a burn the whole, not just the house, we're talking the whole country down. The whole country. You know, my hope is that what Nikki Haley is doing is that its ego has gotten in the way. She sees she's getting Democrat votes. So maybe in her warped mind, she's saying, look, I could be the great unifier. I'm getting Koch brother money up until the other day when they said the Koch brothers aren't giving her any more money anymore. Uh, but she was raising money. And maybe she's thinking, look at me. I've got all this support from all these different people that Republicans never had support for. I have a chance. But she's just delusional with tunnel vision that doesn't see the big picture that that support is so minuscule compared to what President Trump has. You know, Sean, I know you know this because you work for President Trump. What President Trump has created is a movement, the Make America Great Again movement. I haven't seen a movement in America since Ronald Reagan. President Trump has picked that up. Maybe Barack Obama, when he ran the first time, created somewhat of a movement, but it's not like this. People will walk over glass and hot coals together yeah. to get to President Trump and vote for him. It was funny, after Nikki Haley's South Carolina win, the media went into culture shock, like, oh, look at how much she got, this isn't, and I'm like, wait a second, just to be clear, South Carolina was an open primary. She openly courted Democrats and independents to vote for. Politico was writing stories about how some Democrats were at her campaign event the night of the South Carolina primary, cheering that this was the time that they got to vote, you know, that they got to vote against Trump, but they were definitely voting for Biden in the general. It's like, then yes, does will Trump get have it? Does Trump have a problem with Democrats? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, just the same way that Biden has one with the Republicans. But the media is so desperate to create a narrative that Trump has a problem, despite every poll in every battleground state showing that he's winning. That they're not reporting accurately on the problem that Nikki Haley isn't having. Is not wooing Republicans or Republican voters. She's wooing Democrats, never Trumpers and some independents. Yeah. That's it. That's not a it, winning strategy. It would be interesting, you know, in the campaign world, Sean knows this, we call them two R, three R, four R's who voted how many consecutive primaries. It's how you can figure out who's going to vote most likely, especially in a primary and certainly the general election. How many two, three, four R's voted for Nikki Haley in the primary. I'll bet you it was mostly Democrats, her 20% of the vote that she got, or first-time Republican voters. But I'll bet you long-time Republican voters, I bet you they didn't vote for her. No. Um, all right, I want to fast-forward you to the general election. If you remember, and I think you do, after the 2020 election, if you dared, shared concerns about how states conducted their election under the guise of COVID, not following rules, not following regulations, not following their state law, in the case of Pennsylvania, not following the state constitution. Well, you're an election denier. You're anti-democracy. You want to end democracy as we know it. Well, I want to call your attention to a headline in The Atlantic where Democrats are openly saying, if the courts allow Trump to remain on the ballot, Grant, then they just may not certify the election. 
Well, I mean, th- this is this is going down the same road that they accused Republicans of doing, but even worse. Yeah. Right. The courts have ruled before the election. I mean, we were going trying to get courts to rule after the election. Courts rule before it. Now you're not going to certify the election. Now you're literally openly trying to steal an election. I mean, all of these games, I wish people would just play by the rules. In many respects, this is Republicans' biggest problem. We're hungry to play by the rules, win fairly, win squarely. Democrats play by anything. Democrats lie, cheat, steal, they'll spit in your face. They'll tell you to take your jacket off. And as soon as you do, they'll start punching your face. You got your jacket tied behind your, your, your arms. You know, that whole playground trick. I think, That's I think what you've Democrats. thought about this a little, haven't you? <laughs> I mean, I just can't stand the way they are willing to do anything to win. Did you see Kamala Harris this week comes out with a plan? They're going to use a federal student work program to pay students to recruit voters, okay, and sign them up. Pay students. It's a bribery plan for Democrat votes for students. And she openly talks about this. They don't care. It's like no. the other day with the the, the giveaway. We're, we're erasing debt. It's not like it went poof. We're paying for it. Like they get to say, like, I always say to folks when they ask me, how do they get away with this? It's like crime, right? So when you and I were growing up, the phrase was crime doesn't pay. And the idea was, hey, if you do something wrong, if you break the law, you will be punished. And we'd say, wow, I don't want to be punished. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to pay a fine. I don't want to get in trouble with my parents. Now crime pays. I mean, right. it's, 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 hey, what, what's going to happen in DC? They like, hey, come on into CVS, take what you want. And it's the same thing. These guys on the left, the reason that Corinne Jean-Pierre can suck as much as she does, the reason that Biden can get away with the things that they do is because the media allows them. They go, yeah. okay, sure, go for it. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's 100% they've got the media in their back pocket. The problem is the media now is in a dilemma because they don't know which way to go here because they know Joe Biden can't win. So do all they? The, I think they do. I think they know Joe Biden can't win. I think... Operation House Joe Biden has been well underway. I think they're setting him up. You know, when he came out late at night at, at that other, for that for that speech that he just botched, um, I think that's them setting him up. What, he's going to give a State of the Union speech. I said, if that State of the Union speech is over 30 minutes, it's a setup job. Whoever is inside there is setting him up for failure so they can finally say, we got to get him out of here. That His speech that night, if I was his advisor, Mr. President, 30 minutes tops. You, he can't last himself an hour standing up going through a teleprompter. But if it's longer, I see more and more times where they're setting this guy up. None of the moves they're making with him make any sense for the state that who's, he is Who's in. the they? Who's they? Well, you know, I mean, I, I know you don't like conspiracy theories. No, but I, big, I love a good conspiracy I, theory. I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that Barack Obama, Susan Rice, George Soros, and, and maybe they called Hillary Clinton in for some advice that those are the people that are really calling the shots and Barack Obama probably being at the top of the list. They bring her along for the hot sauce is what I understand. That's she, always, she always has hot sauce and they love bringing her around. No, look, I get it. I think that there is there are enough of these guys, but I also believe that there's enough of them that, that their entire power, they love using him. He's a vessel. Remember, someone reminded me the other day, Barack Obama had said at one point, I would love a third term if I didn't have to actually do the work. And I think they right. look at him and say, like, oh, this dude's a vessel for no, us. No, Sean, do you remember what he actually said? He said, if I could be in their ear while they're, he literally said, if I could be in their ear right. telling them what to say, I would love a third term. It was like a stunning admission of, of, you know, the guy behind the curtain. 
Was that Oz? Yeah. Well, yeah. he's getting it. I mean, look at this is, you know, and that's why I'm wondering if this is this has been the whole goal. Um, Grant, I I always love our conversations. Thank you for always making time for us. Uh, obviously, people go subscribe to Grant's podcast because you get more of this on a daily basis, uh, which I think we need more uh, on a daily basis these days. Um, have a great weekend. We've got. Let a me big, just say this. I yeah. gotta say this. You have become such a good friend. I'm honored to come on this uh, show. I'm, I'm so grateful for our friendship. You're a good dude. Man. All right, sorry, I'm I just got to go to watch I'm going, I'm, I love your I'm, success. Apologize, I'm going to Venmo right now. I'll send it as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. Have a great weekend. For all of you guys out there, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Grant never ceases to bring the, the, the hot stuff. It's always amazing with him. Continue to subscribe, share, have a great weekend. Remember, we're going to have a big show next week. Super Tuesday is Tuesday. We're going to break it all down like no one else. Have a great weekend. Enjoy. Get some rest because we got a big week ahead of us. See you next week on The Sean Spicer Show.